great to be with you today. So one of the things that has come out of COVID is that it's given us an opportunity to evaluate and to reassess our lives. And if COVID has taught us anything, it is that life is short, you never know what is around the corner, and that you must make the most of every opportunity. And for us as a church, I feel like there is a crystallizing moment, a significant opportunity for us to reestablish some non-negotiables as a church family and as followers of Jesus. And so the question that we're gonna be asking today is, what kind of church do we wanna be? And what kind of people do we want to be? As we continue in our series in Acts today, we are going to unpack the birthing of the church through the igniting of the Holy Spirit. And through this book, Luke places before us um, what the church is to be and what she is to do. As we see first century believers swept up in the beauty and the wonder of the Holy Spirit as the church is born. And we find in these pages people who are all in, people who are sold out for Jesus. And that passion and that vision for God's people in his church is just as important, is just as relevant today as it was back then at the very beginning. And so we are going to read together. We're going to read Acts chapter 2 together and we're going to actually read it in some chunks. So the first chunk we're going to be reading is verses 1 to 8. So if you have a Bible, why don't you head over and grab your Bible now or swipe to it on your phone and I'm going to read it to us. It says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there was staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Now skip down for the sake of brevity to halfway through verse 11. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? I just love those verses that we've just read because those verses burst the church. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Every single church across the globe that has been to date to right here and right now, and then every single church that will be birthed, the millions that are yet to come, was birthed through this moment that we have just read about. I love it. I love it. Here in the New Testament, what we see is a new way of life that is being given to all people through the work of the Holy Spirit that changed the entire world. And today we are going to unpack together six points. I know, don't groan. Uh, it, I, I was looking at all my points. I was thinking, can I cut them out? And I was like, no, they're all really important. But what you'll be pleased to know is some of them are pretty quick as well. So uh, yes, yeah, six points we're going to be unpacking that I do sense that the Lord, he, he, I guess I feel like he is asking us as a church to kind of renew and to forge onto this fresh 
a sheet of paper that I sense the Lord has given us and made available to us. And as we do so, what we will discover is a blueprint. We will discover God's blueprint for his church, his perfect design for his church. So remember the question that we are asking today is what kind of church do we wanna be and what kind of people do we want to be? So point number one, we to prioritize gathering. Verse two, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, um, quite a few years ago now, I had the amazing privilege of going to a country where if you lived in that country and you were a Christian believer, um, you suffered for that, basically. You would be persecuted if you were found out. And I had the amazing privilege of meeting with dear brothers and sisters in this particular country who would tell me their stories and we would be able to pray together and just fellowship together. And it was life-changing for me. It was incredible. And um, I heard some horrific stories people that refused to renounce Jesus and so suffered absolutely terribly in horrific ways. Individuals, families, churches were really persecuted for their faith. And there was one particular pastor who I met with and over lunch he told me how um, he, him and his church in the middle of the night used to sneak out to a disused railway line. And in the middle of the night, they would get on their knees across this railway line and they would start singing worship songs to Jesus at the top of their lungs. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, it's far too dangerous for us to do that anymore. We can't gather in the way that we want to and we used to be able to, to do that. One of the gifts of this moment that we have come to realize and appreciate that even though we haven't been able to gather in person, we have been able to gather together online. And we are so thrilled that the Lord has established this online community for people for various reasons who are not able to come to um, an in-person church. Um, maybe, you know, this online community is such a delight for us, is such a delight. And whether you are here in Aberdeen or you're in the Shire or perhaps you're in Scotland or maybe in Ireland or somewhere else in the UK or maybe even somewhere else in the world, we are delighted to have you as our church family, our online community because here we can come together, we can be community together, we can journey together and we can be family together. Let's just agree in this moment that we're not gonna take that for granted, that we are able to stream out across the world and across the city and the Shire and we can come together and be family together. It's incredible. That particular church that I was speaking about would have given their eye teeth to have something like what we've got right now. We are so blessed. This is so precious and let's not ever take it for granted. Point number two, we're to be a multi-ethnic family that reflects the heart of God. Verses five and six. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. 
So the disciples are there and they gather together in the upper room and uh, the Holy Spirit falls on them and they began to speak in tongues. And um, what I love about this passage is what it tells us is that they made such an almighty sound that people who weren't in the room, who weren't in the house, heard it, whether they were on the street or they were in their own homes. The Bible doesn't say. But what it does tell us that a, a crowd gathered, a crowd came together because the Holy Spirit had fallen on the disciples as they were speaking in tongues. And they made such a noise that everyone around them could hear them. And the sound had caused this crowd to gather. And in bewilderment, the Bible says, as each one heard their own language being spoken because the disciples were filled with power to speak in other tongues, which were the 15 languages from verses nine to 11 that I skipped for brevity's sake. The Holy Spirit had enabled the disciples to become a chorus of multilingual witnesses as each nation under heaven heard their own language being spoken. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was on a call with an, an amazing theologian, a vineyard theologian, actually, um, from South Africa called Alexander Venter. And he's an amazing guy, such a sweet, sweet man, um, a pastor and an incredible theologian. And he was speaking about cross-cultural mission. And he was actually speaking on this passage that we're in today. And he said this about our passage. He said, Pentecost reverse Babel. God used tongues to judge and divide humanity. Now they're used to gather and reconcile the scattered nations to the ends of the earth. The reconciling spirit of Jesus crosses culture, language barriers and dividing walls. So right at the very center, right at the very beginning of the church being birthed, we see the multi-ethnic heart of God displayed. And that's the vision. That's the dream for us as a church, to be an even more integrated, even more ethnically diverse church, to be a family that seeks unity in the midst of amazing diversity. And over this last year and a half, Chuck and I have, we have been stirred and we have been challenged deeply by what we have read and what we have heard by talking to some of our own church family on matters such as inclusion and racial injustice and diversity. And the truth is we are learning and we are growing and we are aware that we have an incredibly long way to go. But standing here today, there is so much that we are conscious of that we are not doing right now and that we must do and we must get better at doing. But church, our heart and our dream is to see incredible unity along with even more beautiful diversity. That's a dream. That's, that's what we want to see at the heart of who we are as a church family. And the truth is that this is a fresh road to us, that we are so grateful to the Lord that he has put us on and enabling us to walk down. And it's going to take all of us together to journey this road, to lead more into this vision of a church that is a rich and beautiful tapestry of diversity that runs through every aspect of church life. We are committed to seeing our church take significant steps to reflect even more the rich diversity 
that it was created to do. Point number three, we're to be people who seek after the Holy Spirit. So when my kids were young, um, I found the hour between 4 and 5 p.m. like a nightmare, like it was horrific actually often. And if you are someone who is a parent of young children, you probably agree with me that it's like survival hour. You've just got to get through it. And so I decided that one of my tactics of getting through this survival hour was to do hide and seek. And so I would always be the one that would hide and the kids would always be the ones who would look for me. And I would try and find the most obscure places to hide in the vain attempt that it would give me maybe two minutes peace before the kids would come and find me. You see, the kids would do all the seeking and I would do all the hiding. Not so with us, not so with the church. You see, we are called to be people who seek after the Holy Spirit, who pursue and look for and chase after the presence of Jesus. We don't hide, we seek. And we lean into all that the Spirit has for us because the Lord's promise is to pour out his Spirit on all people. That includes you and that includes me. And as Peter stands up and as he addresses the crowd, he recounts this prophecy that the prophet Joel um, gave, basically. And so we are going to read together the next chunk of this chapter from verse 17. And I'm going to read it now to you. So this is Peter declaring in front of the crowd. And he says this, in the last day, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Amen. I love that. You see, I love how Joel is using the imagery of a torrential downpour onto a parched earth to picture the generosity and the completeness and the fullness of the Spirit's coming. And Peter declares that it is happening right before the crowd's very eyes. And it is in complete contrast to the selective and the occasional outpouring of the Spirit that we see in the Old Testament that would happen on a king or a prophet. You see, here on this day, the church is born as the Spirit is being poured out, as the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy is being fulfilled, as the Holy Spirit is cascading out without regard to age or sex or social status or ethnic origin. You see, this is the gift that Jesus gives to his people. This is the gift that Jesus gives to his church. It's the gift of his presence. And it is fully available to us, every single one of us. That's why we seek. That's why we look for. That's why we run after the Holy Spirit, because his presence is a beautiful gift where Jesus, Jesus himself, 
has made himself available to little old you and little old me. In our services, in our quiet times, in our working, in our resting, in our playing, in our sleeping, the Holy Spirit is with us and he's so available to us. And when he comes, when he draws near, he changes everything. Church, remember, we are people of the Spirit. We are to actively lean and push into all that the Holy Spirit has. We are seekers of his presence and we are people marked by his Spirit. A.W. Tozer says this, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. May that not be said about us. Point number four, we're to be on mission. Verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Now, many of you are probably aware of the um, Alfred Nobel who invented the Nobel Peace Prize that gives um, prizes for literature and science and peace. Yet during his lifetime, this same man was dubbed as the angel of death when a case of mistaken identity published Albert's obituary instead of his brother's in several of the newspapers at that time. And one French newspaper condemned him for his invention of dynamite. And the headline read, the merchant of death is dead and went on to say that he became rich by finding more ways to kill more people than ever before. Now, obviously, Alfred Noble, he read his own obituary and was utterly appalled at what people were saying about him. And so his decision to donate almost uh, all of his wealth to set up the Nobel Peace Prize was really in an attempt to leave behind a better legacy. Now, we're unlikely to witness what people will say about us and how they will remember us in quite the same way as Alfred Nobel. But we can ask the question, what will I be known for? Will I be known for the way that I invite people to um, come to church or to Alpha or um, to a marriage course? Will I be known for the way that I tell people about Jesus? and I offer opportunities to pray for people? Will I be known for the way that I listen? Will I be known for the way that the Holy Spirit is shaping my life and changing me for the better? Peter is making the most of the opportunity he has been given. And in amongst this crowd, he stands up and filled with boldness, he speaks of all that is happening as he preaches the gospel. You see, the Holy Spirit has propelled and compelled Peter into mission to move out from what would naturally be comfortable for him, for the sake of the people and for the growth of the kingdom. For many people, the only Bible they are ever going to read is you and is me. 
And in that every day, let's remember that we carry the very best possible news that anyone could ever know. Let's remember that we are people who are on a mission. Let's make sure that we keep on living our best lives for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the advancement of his kingdom. So here we see Peter and he preaches up a storm and he starts with this quotation from the prophet Joel and then he moves on to quote from Psalm 16 that explains all about the resurrected Jesus. And so we're going to pick up again and we're going to pick up from verse 36. So why don't you turn to that now? And he says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The pro this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Point number five, we're to be people with soft hearts. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Do you notice there what their response is? You see, the Holy Spirit has convicted them and they have no other option but to respond. You see, this crowd had, or some of this crowd, I should say, has moved from hardened hearts, hearts that would naturally march to the beat of their own drum, hearts that were full of self and probably cynicism and unforgiveness and bitterness, hearts that were full of rough angles and hard edges has suddenly moved from that position into soft and malleable hearts. Almost like, um, you, you know, pebbles on a beach that are made smooth through, through the ocean, through the sea. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit is washing over them and reshaping and refining and redefining the very core of who they are. Let's keep on being a people who allow the Holy Spirit to smooth and to cut and to pierce our hearts again and again and again. Let's be a people and a church family who walk with soft hearts. And so being cut to the heart led them to sorrow and introspection and to ask the question, what shall we do? What shall we do? Point number six, the last point, we're to be people who repent and be baptised. Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter's invitation is to repent, to do about face in your life's orientation and to attach yourself to Jesus 
one of my commentaries said, and I absolutely love it. That's exactly what repentance looks like. And just like the early church, we are called to be a church family that is growing and shaping and seeing new life kind of springing up all over the place as we invite and we welcome people into this church family as they find and they accept Jesus for the very first time in their lives. To be a growing family is always going to be messy. Show me any family that isn't messy. It's not possible. You see, that is the joy of doing life with people. It can get messy. And then for us as a church family, doing life with often people who are completely different to ourselves can also cause things to be even more messy sometimes. But we have to welcome and we have to embrace it because we are called to be a family that are a repenting and a baptizing community. Proverbs 14 verse 4 says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty, but from the strength of the ox come abundant harvests. We want to be a church family that sees and experiences the abundant harvest through people finding Jesus and being baptized. That is our call. That is who we are. That is the mission that we are on and we're on it together. You know, these past 18 months have been really difficult because of all this, the restrictions. We haven't been able to baptize people um, because basically we just haven't been allowed to. However, we are now in a position where a lot of these restrictions have been lifted. And so we are now much freer to be able to baptise people. And so I guess my cry to you today is if you are a Christian and you haven't been baptised, now is the time. If you have just recently given your life to Jesus and you haven't been baptised, now is the time. We would love to baptise as many people um, across our church as possible. As you make a public declaration of your faith and your belief and your need for Jesus in your life to your church family and also to the wider community as well. So if you do want to get baptised, then I just encourage you to contact Emma Gray, who is our online site pastor, and she will work it out. She will try and find a way for you to get baptised. Don't think because you're part of the online community, that's not possible. We would love to work something out. We would love to baptise you if you've never been baptised before. Okay. You see, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit when John baptised him so that he could enter his public ministry full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit in the power of the Spirit, anointed by the Spirit. And so now the same Spirit that came upon the disciples and those first century Christians all that time ago comes upon us his church today, to be filled and equipped and sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit for his mission in our world. Why don't we pray? We just ask, Spirit of God, that you would draw near, that you would make yourself known. Would you go deeper? 
We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We recognise we can do nothing without you. We want to be a people who are filled by your spirit, who are empowered by your spirit, who go where you lead us. People of boldness, people of faith. Father, I pray that you would just show us, Lord, any areas in our life where maybe we're a bit out of kilter, where maybe we've lost heart, where we've stopped maybe trusting in you, relying on you or stepping out in faith or in boldness. Lord, I pray that you would make us fierce for you and that the fear of other people would, would um, be broken, Lord. I just sense that there are some people here that, who are watching today and, and just the fear of man, the fear of what people would say, the, the fear of what people would think is just huge for you. And so Jesus, we ask that you would just come into those situations, come into that thought life, come into those hearts and minds and would you break the power where there is fear in Jesus' name. And would you fill them with your boldness? Would you fill them with your spirit? Lord, I pray that you'd put an urgency into every one of our hearts, Jesus, to see and to help more people find you. We love you, Lord, and we want to be loose change in your pocket and we want you to spend us however you want. Amen.